Welcome to a Muzzled Chat. Guys, I don't know about you, but I get super excited to spend some time with this amazing man on Fire for God, Arthur here, especially now that we're kicking off this new year. Happy New Year, Arthur. Happy New Year. Welcome back. Once again, all right, don't let me forget about a prayer. You know what? Let's go ahead and do that before we forget, and then we'll go from there. Father, we just come before you today realizing our great need for you. We invite you here into this meeting with James and I and with those that are watching the podcast. We pray that you would be the unseen guest. but alive with each and every one that's listening. Be in our conversation, be in our thoughts, be in the words that are spoken. In Jesus' name we pray today. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you for that prayer, Arthur. All right, now... What was I even going to touch on? Because every time, every time you come in and it's like, okay, where do we want to go and steer the conversation? We get into such good conversation that it's just like, we just need to hit the record as soon as we step into the studio every time. It, 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 every time that happens, it's it's awesome. Because, you know, we've had some interesting conversations before we ever start the podcast. Right. And... um It'd be good if everybody was in on it. 100%. Now, now I don't know about you listeners, but, like, we just all have work to do. Like, we, it was interesting because it was, it's been, it's been quite the challenge for me lately, as the listeners know, with what I've been dealing with on the Lyme disease, and it's been this fine balance, like, I want to dive more into it to maybe shine the light more on Lyme and maybe that'll resonate with some other folks that are dealing with that same disease or other diseases that like come on and seek support, assistance, maybe even medical direction and, and all sorts of things. But I don't want to come off like whiny because the reality of it is we all have our battles. You know, you you as well, but it's interesting, like we were touching on, how unlike a lot of us, you've really spent the time, the work, and the word, and the time on your knees, and we kind of made that comment of of uh, making those deposits in the bank, so you've, you've really added a lot of that up but it what's interesting like you kind of were saying like you're actually acknowledging that it's there and it existing so it's like you're more so walking like yeah in that spiritual bank you're more so walking in that enlightened state and not going through as much ebb and flows as kind of like humanly we all do and, I, and especially me and that in and of itself 
even if someone's still questioning the word, questioning whether God exists, to me, it's just a blessing to be around you and see a man with your stories and everything that have achieved such enlightenment, you know, and... Well, thank you, James. Yeah. But, you know, I was sharing with James earlier uh, before we started the podcast that and because we were talking about along this line about having uh, a spiritual deposit. Mm-hmm. And that was something that my wife brought up this morning That's during crazy. our time together. That's cool. Was that, you know, we can study the scriptures and gain understanding uh and 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 understand the deep things of God in the scriptures as deep as we can go. You know, we can't, we can't go all too deep on it because it's yeah. The depth of it is uh, uh, you just can't you just can't dive deep enough in the Word of God that you ever find the bottom. Mm. You just keep on going. Right. And um, but um, <clears throat> but we can have all this in our spiritual bank and never draw on it. And so. What 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 do we have in our spiritual bank? Well, if we don't know what the Word of God says, we don't know what we have in the bank. You could be a billionaire yep. and not know what you've got and go through life like a pauper. Yeah. You know, I'd like to have a rich uncle leave me a bunch of money, but if he has, I don't know about it. Yeah. <laughs> But this is what God has left us. This is his last will and testament. And so, you know, I suffered with uh, excruciating pain for seven years Mm. until I discovered what was mine. You know what? I'm going to do something real quick. I'm going to try shifting A. I think some of this cord came off. Bear with us, listeners. I'm just going to shift something around here. I think this angle might be just a little... A little better? Yeah, where where that way you can kind of look at me and that way a bit. Yeah. Is that better? Excuse me. All right. Absolutely. Yep, sounds better. So when I found out what I had in the bank, I could draw on it. How? By believing it and acting on it. You know, it's a terrible thing to go through life suffering with something that you don't have to suffer with. But until you actually... grasp the idea of what Christ paid for on that cross not just not for just our sins as wonderful as that is as wonderful as that is and if that's all we ever get out of this it's is the forgiveness of our sins it. yeah that's wonderful right we were born again heaven is our home that's that's fantastic but then if we go through life Always in need, 
always in want, needing something, wanting something, lacking something. Hmm. See, God never created people to to live with need and lack and want and to suffer with sickness and disease and pain. That was not his plan. His plan that we were to live lives that were full of life in relationship with God, with no lack, no need, no wants. And any time we had a want, it was fulfilled because he had supplied everything that we could ever need or want. He put everything in the earth. I mean, you could just go on and on with this topic. He put everything in the earth that we would ever need, the oil, the gas, the gold, the silver, the stones, the riches. Right. The, 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 just the seeds to grow the food that we need. He has supplied everything that we need. There are laws in God. There is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Romans 8. There is the law of sin and death. There is the law of God that reveals the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. But over in Romans, I believe it's Romans chapter 3, he tells us about the law of faith. So we participate in the law of the, of, uh, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus through the law of faith. Or we participate in the law of sin and death through faith. Hmm. If we believe that everything is as it has always been, and this is just the way it is, and this is the way it's got to be, that's our faith at work in the law of sin and death. Scientists call it the the second law of thermodynamics. That reveals the law of sin and death. Everything is in a state of decay, Hmm. degrading. That, that nice truck I got out there and the one you've got in the driveway right now is in the process of turning into a pile of rust. Right. We could put a pile of rust out there and it would never turn into a truck without knowledge, intellect, and power, mm-hmm. energy exerted in that pile of rust, you could turn it into something. Right. But the moment you get done, it starts turning into a pile of rust again. Right. That's the law of sin and death at work in the world and in our human bodies, mm. of which the spirit of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from mm-hmm. if we will operate in the law of faith, believing what God has said here and not what the world says, not what our own mind says, not the woe is me mentality. Mm-hmm. Oh, if only, well, if only we could believe. All things are possible to him that believes. It's that simple. Sounds simple. It's simple. But boy, is there like a chasm that we've got to cross over into that realm of faith. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And many people, what I call Eddie out. I don't know if you've ever been on a whitewater rafting trip. A little. But you're going down the river, and you're in it, you know, and and there's places where you can eddy out, and Mm. it's nice and calm over there in the eddies, Mm -hmm. and then you can get back in, see? And and many people going through life 
with their troubles and problems will eddy out mm. instead of pressing into the things of God. There has to always be a pressing in before there's ever a pressing through into the next level or into the victory you're looking for. <clears throat> and in sickness, pressing in to the things of God through sickness, you can't tell one person to press into this the way someone else pressed into it. Everybody has to move in the realm of faith, the level of faith that they have. And if the faith that they have is in doctors, then that's where you've got to go. God is not against doctors. God wants to heal people so much that he has given doctors the knowledge and the understanding and the wisdom to help bring healing in. Mm -hmm. But there's only a point that they can go to. And then they're out of, it's out of their reach. It's out of their hands. Mm. And so uh, you'll find that many people never experience the miracle power of God, one, because they eddy out, they wind up dying before their time, or where they press into God and they're willing to put everything on the line. And then, like Peter did, step out of the boat. Mm. You know, there were 12 men in a boat during a storm, all alone. They'd been rowing all night to get across from one place to another. Jesus had told them to go to the other side of this, the sea, the lake. And, and there was a storm came up, and they are about to sink. They're so close to death, when they see Jesus walking on the water, they're so close to death, they're thinking that they're seeing a ghost. Hmm. They think that the, 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 the dividing line between life and death is so close that now they're seeing ghosts because they're so close to death, they're about to die, they're seeing the other side. And Jesus says, don't be afraid, boys. It's me. See? And, and Peter says, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come to you on the water. Well, it was Jesus. So he said, come. Now, Peter, I don't think he put his foot over the side of that boat and touched the water with his foot, you know, to see if it was firm enough to get out. Right. Jesus had said, come. I think he put his hand on the side of that boat and both feet right over in it. Sink or swim, live or die. Mm -hmm. death is imminent this is certain death if it's not who he says he is and Peter walked on that water here's the thing there were 12 men in that boat all 12 of them could have got out and walked on water he's the only one yeah. but only one was willing to put everything on the line and get out of the only safety they had to put all their eggs in one basket and that's in God mm. <clears throat> yeah it's interesting because yeah, I've contemplated quite a bit when you've shared a bit on, like, in a sense, like, not even that directly, like, stating to me, God doesn't, it's not his will 
for this Lyme disease to like ravage my body. And, and then when you, when you touch on the medical, like there's, there's, there's options for me, right? Like on a personal level and for everyone out there with, and it could be anything. It could be an emotional state, a childhood trauma. It could be relational issues. It could be, it could be diseases. It could be all these things. And there is therapies, worldly roads to go down and doctors that have come up with remedies that assist, cure, help in a lot of things. But it's also like there is that spiritual road as well. And that's where, like for me, is I've exhausted a lot of these roads, you know, with this particular state. There were a lot of moments along my path with this particular disease where I knew it was going to take more than, <clears throat> excuse me, doctors. Mm-hmm. I knew. And, and I was directed down that spiritual road. And undoubtedly, like miracles took place down that road, 110%. And I feel it and I know it. But, but it, you know, it's just interesting because as I've really felt like the most spiritual growth and grasping and uh, living, walking really in faith for in, in ways in, on, a, on a depth for the first time ever in my life, you know, there, there still came another wave of like uh, this, this disease. And, and, and it's interesting because I mean, if I, went back I think I kind of covered it but it felt like when kind of God gifted this platform and 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 gave me this direction with this podcast of a selfless nature like it really hinges on my ability to function you know so when he really answered a prayer very profoundly which I feel was kind of a miracle in and of itself and led me on the, down this path it was like in a way i felt like he was answering like i'm gonna be well because it's it's so directly hinging on me functioning so i mean it, it became very shocking and a bit challenging and, and and in a lot of ways this last bout i never fully let go of that faith and everything I experienced. It's just weird. It's with Lyme, like this, this cloud of dysfunction. I, I just had to exist through it. I, I don't know how to explain it, but I can say with certainty, like, like to what you were saying for folks in any state, I bet, the majority of them, like a hundred percent, that spiritual road would lead to miracles. You know, uh, it, it every it's worth it's worth going down and checking them all out. See, I didn't come upon my miracle in the beginning, but my faith grew through the process until I was able to take that step of absolute faith and believe God and act on it, putting everything on the line. Let me let me um, take this in a little different direction other than, than physical healing. 
How about in a financial miracle? Mm. Putting everything on the line there, you see. Um, my wife and I got married in 1992. Um, we had $10,000 in the bank. $10,000 then was a lot more money than it is today. It's true. <laughs> and I had a good job with a power company. She had a good job with the hospital. But we could not get a mortgage for a fixer-upper house, a house that was run down, and I was going to have to spend money, but it was going to take all the money we had if we could get in the house. And then, so now we're mm-hmm. going to work and make up money to, to add to the house and to make it, make it nice. Yeah. And, but we couldn't get a mortgage. No matter what we did, nothing would work. Our, our church was going through a building program, and they were asking for people to make a pledge. And so we were in the service, and uh, they're asking people to uh, pray about it. You know, right then, they'd like people to pray about it and make a decision and then just sign a, uh, a slip of paper uh, uh, stating what you were pledging to give. And um, I had a number in my mind. Diana had a number in her mind, and she says, uh, what would you like to give, or what do you think we should give? And I said, well, I've got a number. She said, I do too. I said, what is it? She said, that $10,000. I said, that's exactly what I was thinking. Now, what that $10,000 represented to us was our hopes hmm. and dreams of ever owning a home. Wow. Neither one of us had ever had 10000 before. This 10000 I had because of an annuity fund that I cashed out from my work. Didn't know when we would ever get it again, if ever. But we were, we were deciding to do what we could to help build God's house first. Hmm. So we did that. Before the year was out, we had found a piece of property that was an acre piece of property on Long Island, much larger than we had were thinking of buying. We were looking at quarter-acre lots with a house already built on it, a fixer-upper. Mm-hmm. This was an acre piece of property. Before that, before that year was out, we had more than enough money to make another down payment. Where did that come from? I don't know. We just just came in. We had it. And we built a house to our specifications hmm. on this acre piece of lot. And it was exceedingly abundantly more than we had ever hoped or imagined. Wow. From the home itself, from probably the location, from the actual size of the lot. It was perfect for us. <clears throat> that was So uh, around the end of 93, we started with that, started that process. By the end of 94, starting into 95, we moved into that home. Hmm. Wow. So, but you see, we were putting everything on the line. See, if, if, if. If this didn't work, if, if faith in God doesn't work, we will never be able to get a home. Hmm. Our dreams are gone. Yeah, that seems like a very direct blessing right there. Yes. 
yes, he came through for us. See, that day that, that I had been suffering with back pain for seven years and, and, uh, and woke up with that stabbing sharp pain in my back, the thought was that I'm going to exert all of my strength. I'm going to believe God and exert all my strength and press through this. And I'm either going to be healed or I'm going to fall over paralyzed for the rest of my life. And I just worked that over my mind, that scripture that the Holy Spirit had spoke to me. He said, it was just a, so, such a simple word. He said, believe that you receive it and you will have it. Well, that opens the door for anything people want to believe God for. But see, there was another part of the scripture that came to me. Nothing doubting. So I knew I had to work all the doubt out. Hmm. See, and many people, they think they're operating in faith, believing, but oh, there's wow. so many doubts going on. Yeah. And, and they may not even be voicing it. It's the subconscious. Yep. It in internal, it, it, it takes, it's a forever work. And so, so once, once, see, once you step over into that realm of faith, it's much easier to step over in that realm of faith for the next thing and Mm. the next thing. Faith is like a seed, Jesus said. Well, whenever you have a seed, there's no evidence of it, Mm. but it's, you take the word of God and you put it in your heart, in the soil of your heart, and you just believe. No matter what you see, no matter what you hear, no matter what you feel, and then pretty soon there's a blade. That's blade faith. Mm-hmm. Seed faith, then blade faith. And you just keep going on with God with that blade faith, believe in God with that blade faith. And then pretty soon there's a stalk. Mm-hmm. See, now your faith is stronger, you see. And, and you keep going on with God, and you're believing with stalk faith. And then one day, boom, full ear in the corn, you know, full corn in the ear faith. As soon as you pray, boom, it happens. Hmm. First time I prayed for somebody to be healed, and they were instantly healed, there was nobody more surprised than me. But I'd been praying with blade faith, praying with stalk faith, and then one day, full corn in the ear faith. Nobody hmm. more surprised than me. I just knew it was going to happen, just didn't know when. And then, hmm. boom, there it was. Wow. Anyway, so there's, there's more to, more to, to God than, than physical healing. There's life in general. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have that in abundance. Hmm. You see, what I've got in the bank here, in my spiritual bank, is faith, love, peace, joy. Those are my spiritual riches. Hmm. Has got nothing to do with what's going on out here. To maintain my faith and my joy and my peace. You know that we have that expression, hold your peace. Mm -hmm. No matter what's going on around you, hold your peace. See, my peace comes from God. It doesn't come from external situations. If it came from the external situations, I... My peace would fly out the window many times, you see. (laughs) But I can have peace with God and hope and joy no matter what is out there. See, you can't steal my joy. You can't steal my hope. You can't steal my peace because it's rooted in God's Word. I just, Philo, we need 
what you're talking about right there more than ever before ever before 2024 i believe is going to be a very blessed year but it's it's going to come with its challenges it's going to get darker before uh easier brighter you know there's a story i was reading in uh, second kings about a man named hezekiah he was a king and you see through first and second kings uh kings who served god and did what was right and then you saw kings that come in and they worshiped other gods and just lived a life of sin and and uh but hezekiah was one of these kings that came along and he did what was right in in this in in uh in god's eyes and but it come down uh after i don't know a couple of decades i think it was uh that he'd been living as a king uh that he had an illness and uh looked like death was imminent and prophet came to him and told him that to get his affairs in order that he was going to die this illness was unto death and then the prophet starts walking out of the palace and hezekiah turns to the wall and he begins to encourage himself in all the things that God had done up to this very day. And then he begins to weep unto the Lord. And God speaks to the prophet before he gets out, out of the palace there to go back and tell Hezekiah that he had heard his prayer and seen his tears. And that he wouldn't die, but that God would add 15 years to his life. And I would say this, if, if you're out there and, and you've prayed and believed God for something and, and uh, you haven't seen that come to pass, begin to encourage yourself how God has come through in the past or encourage yourself and how God has come through in, in the word in the scriptures, how he's come through for others. And try tears. When you, before this podcast kicked off, and you opened this beautiful book, it's more than a book, you use some pretty powerful words about what just took place. Oh. The minute you open this book. Yes. You are in the presence of God. You know, I I have it on I have the scriptures in my computer. And I have the scriptures on my phone. But there's nothing like opening this book up and reading the words. As soon as I open that book up, I'm in the presence of God. It's different when I'm looking on the phone, when I'm looking on the computer. And I use those for studying. Right. But the minute I open this up, it's just me and God. And then you flip. And it's like speaking to you. Like, yes. What did you stay, say 
you also used some powerful words when you just started flipping <laughs> it in front of me and being like, it's, it's personal direction, revelation. He is personally speaking to you, whether you're over here or you're over here or over here. There's something in here speaking to you. And that speaks to me. I mean, I'm such a visual man, kind of limited being here. But as you did that, I'm like, yeah, right here, right here. I literally visualized it and I feel it. And that and it's more than just a feeling. It's truth. It's speaking. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Right here, something that I underlined. I'll just read this to you. This was a time when... Try to, this, thing, this thing's been hitting. I got to make some adjustments. We're good. Now... This was a time when I was going through a time in my life when I felt like the presence of God had left me. Mm. And I don't recommend that people do this. I don't do this normally. And I think this may be one, if not the only time, one of the very few times, I think it's the only time that I've ever done this, is because I was going through such a... Um, a time when I felt God had left me, abandoned me, and I didn't know if I would ever smile again or hear laughter come from my lips again. Mm. But I told God, I said, if I never sense your presence again, I'm going to live my life for you. But I need a word from you. And I took my Bible and I just let it fall open, and I looked down, and this is what I saw. For a small moment, have I forgotten thee? Or let me see. For a small moment, have I forsaken thee? Mm. But with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath, I hid my face from thee for a moment. But with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. The tears are pouring down my face right now as I sense the presence of God come to me again. Hmm. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me, for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, that hath mercy on thee. Wow. When I read the scriptures, when I first started reading the Bible back in 1973, I was reading the scriptures... to get as much of it in me as I could. I wanted to gain as much knowledge as I could, so I would just read chapter after chapter and, and book after book, you know, as I went through the Bible. And then I would start over again, and then I'd start over again. I was trying to read it for quantity. Hmm. But there came a place in my time in my life when I began to read for quality, not quantity. And what I mean by that is, Always in my whole Christian life, when I would be reading the scripture, something would stand out to me. And I might think something like this, you know, I want to remember that. 
And I want to go back and study that out. But I was in such a hurry to get through the Bible, I'd never go back and look it over. Mm. Well, some years ago, those things that would stand out to me, I began to write down. And I would write down that scripture or, or that sentence or those couple of words that stood out to me. The chapter and the verse, the date and the time. Mm. After about six months, I went back through my journal. I was amazed at the things that, that were standing out to me. It was God speaking to me about what was about to happen in my life, about mm. what he was preparing me for. Not bad things, but the good things that he had prepared for me. And there were some hurtful things. You know, when you know I lost loved ones, he was speaking to me about that, hmm. preparing me for what was about to happen. There's no other book in the world like the Word of God. And that is exactly what this is. God has watched over it down through the ages. And it is his gift to humanity. You can trust in it, rely on it, and cling to it like a roadmap to get you through life, to inspire you, to encourage you, to give you hope and a future, to lift you, and to help you be a lifter of people. When this gets in you, you won't go around being a drag on other people. You'll go around being a lifter of other people. People will want to be around you. Why? Because you're somebody so great? No, no. But because the God that has come alive in you is so great. They won't know what it is. They'll think it's something to do with you. But it's got nothing to do with you. It's got everything to do with him. You know, when, when, when uh, uh, the last podcast I talked about when I went to heaven and I was talking mm-hmm. about the new creature in Christ that, that we all are who have been born again and received Christ as our Savior, these new creatures. If, if you look at the, uh, the transfiguration in the gospel where Jesus is transfigured on the mount, they call it the Mount of Transfiguration, mm-hmm. where his garment became dazzling white and, and uh, his face shone like the sun. Mm-hmm. He was transfigured into what he was that I saw in heaven, mm. that glorious Lord. And that gives you a picture of what we are in the spirit. And that's why, you know, as you as you develop your relationship with God, when you walk into a room, people will turn to look. Why did they turn to look, you see? Especially somebody who's living in darkness, you know. Because mm. all that light that you carry... Shifted the atmosphere. They don't even know why they turned to look. See? But you begin to carry something of the presence of God with you. We need that. I mean, it's... We we keep touching on it, but it's so important that... this is, I don't even view this as a temporary home. This isn't a home at all. This is just an experience and we're visitors, you know, and, and, and like I mentioned before, I've yet to meet an atheist that will entirely deny 
any spiritual like experience, some, some unexplainable connection, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, 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 they, we've all experienced to an extent something on really unprovable, un, unexplainable, but it's just crazy because where was I even going with it? Like there's, it's all around us. You can see it. You can feel it when you dive into the word. You can, you can even see the other side of things because Lucifer's real and he's here and he's, he's in this world and, and, um, does the Bible even say that he's in fact, like he's a ruler of this world yep. while we're here and, and to an extent, and you can see a bunch of humans that are alive today that have fallen pray and there's symbolism all over connecting from our governments. I mean, new world orders. I mean, many different names, but a lot of the elites and you can see the demonic symbolisms and, and and it's all over because I sit here and I scratch my head and I can understand mankind. Yes, we can have some bad apples just out the gate. They just bullies and, and, and they just feed off of and they just go down the wrong path. Right. And they don't. And they can they can do murder at early ages and things like that. The most horrific things, right? But generally speaking, on a mass massive scale, I do not believe. Like I know in my being that mankind is not left on his own, capable of such evil. Like the sound of freedom touches on some of it. Mm-hmm. Mankind left to his own devices is not capable of such evil without the demonic being real and, and they're literally tapping into that demonic power for mortal on this earth gain. So where did that power come from? Where did that evil power come from? And and to find that out, you got to go all the way back to Genesis because right. all things are not now as they have always been. There was a time when there was no sin, when there was no death, when there was no evil. God didn't create evil in this world. He created this world perfect. He created us perfect. And he put us here to rule and reign over all of his creation, not just the earth, the whole cosmos he gave to us. Lucifer comes into the garden. Lucifer was not the devil then. He was a wonderful angel. Let me see here. Yeah, people just oh, they open your eyes and willing to to actually look into it. Here we go. Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering: the sardis, the topaz, and the diamond, and the beryl, and the onyx, and the jasper. 
the sapphire and the emerald and the carbuncle and the gold, the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes. Maybe some kind of a musical leader, I don't know, was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee. So thou wast upon the holy mountain of God, thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire, thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Iniquity was found in him. And that iniquity, I believe, happened when he saw what God had done in a human being, in Adam and Eve, created them way above who he, what he was created for. He was, angels, the scriptures tell us, were created to be ministering spirits to them who were heirs of salvation. All angels were created to be ministering spirits to us. And he saw what God had done in us, giving us the right to rule and reign, created in the image and likeness of God in such a way that we could walk and talk and commune and fellowship with God without any sense of inferiority. Matter of fact, it speaks of us as being the bride of Christ. To be the bride of Christ we would have to be equal to him. You would never marry something that was less than you. You wouldn't marry a chimpanzee. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't marry an ape. You wouldn't marry a dog. You wouldn't marry a cat. No matter how much you might love them, you wouldn't marry them because it, it's not equal to you. And he created us to be his bride. Lucifer sees that. And he sees the opportunity that if he can see, because right now, God is able to manifest himself through Adam and Eve and express himself into this world through Adam and Eve. Lucifer sees the opportunity to gain all that power that God has given us to rule and reign over this world, this cosmos, he sees that, and if he knows, if he can get them to believe in him, then all the power that God has given us would be at his disposal. Why? Mm. See, it reveals to us in, in, in the New Testament here that Christ has redeemed us back to that original condition with God, and we are seated with him in heavenly places in the, on the throne. It talks about Jesus being the head of the body, which we are the body of Christ on the earth. He's the head. You can't lift the head so far, but what the body goes with it. So Paul says we're seated with him in heavenly places. That denotes the power and authority that is given to us that we're not even really aware of, but Satan was. And when he was able to tempt Adam and Eve into believing what he had said, and they acted on that and did what he said to do and did not do what God said to do. God said, don't eat that. Satan says, eat it. You'll be okay. You won't die. He lied. 
Jesus said he was a, a liar and a thief and a murderer from the beginning. Hmm. Right here in this garden is where he became that. When he tempted Adam and Eve to sin, he fell. Adam and Eve fell. They received the same nature, the, a nature of death, that evil nature. We went from being children of God to being children of the devil. Hmm. Children of wrath by nature. To suffer the same punishment that was due Lucifer. God condemned him right there in Genesis to, to grovel on the, on, the, on the ground. Meaning he was relegated to this realm mm -hmm. and to hell. He can't go to heaven. Some theologians have a problem with that. They want to put the devil back in heaven. Hmm. He can't get there. He was kicked out. He's still kicked out. He can't get back in. And anyway, that's a whole other topic. But here's something that I wrote about that. Why would, would God send anybody to hell? You did, you did cover that this typically, you like to focus on the light and the good. I do. But there's truth and there's importance because we to, have, we because have, it we talks about it. the wrath of God yeah. with the love of God. Right. Because God is just. And because of what the devil did, the devil was judged and condemned right there in the garden. Please stay with me on this. Don't, 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 don't leave me. <laughs> it gets better. I promise. <laughs> but why would God send anybody to hell? Well, when you think about it, what Satan did to the bride of Christ, his bride was raped, mutilated, spiritually and mentally raped, and the image of God which the bride was created in was marred beyond recognition. Mm -hmm. Jesus came to redeem his bride. And so he was mutilated, beaten, cruelly treated, crucified, and took our sin upon himself on that cross and suffered and died and went to the place of the dead in our stead so that we do not have to experience the wrath of God. Hmm. The world is guilty of the murder of Jesus Christ. You know, why would God send somebody to hell? Well, that's one reason. What Satan did to us, and we became his children instead of the children of God, so his punishment would be ours. But then, when Jesus came to the world, the Scripture says that he came to his own, but his own received him not. No, they killed him. Well, all down through the scriptures, when they would bring a sacrifice in to sacrifice it, you would kill your own sacrifice. It was portraying what was going to happen when Jesus came. And he came to humanity, and humanity crucified him. So, in essence, we're guilty of murder. Matter of fact, the first message that Peter preached after being baptized with the Holy Ghost he says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly 
that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. See, he was telling them, you crucified him. But not just them. Whenever you read through there, every time he met with somebody, tell them, you killed him. You mm -hmm. crucified him. He was not just speaking to the Jews here that day. He was speaking to everybody from every nation that had come. He was speaking to everyone in the world. You know, when my, when my little girl was born and she was living with her mother, we were divorced at the time. And I had thought if somebody ever touched that little girl, I would quit my job and my job would be to hunt that person down. <laughs> you see. I think a lot of parents feel that way about their daughters. <laughs> well, see, that, that's God's love for his son. Mm. And the world treated him brutally, cruelly, mm. maliciously, and killed him. Mm. Is it any wonder that people go to hell? Mm. Not because God wants them to. God doesn't want it. It's not his will that any should perish. But, see, in our foreparents, we chose sin. Now God has made the opportunity for us to choose life. We chose sin and death, and that was passed on from Adam to all of his children, that nature. But now we can choose Christ. And because we choose him, his righteousness, his life is passed on to us, to everyone that believes. So it was a choice of faith then, and it's a choice of faith today. What do you believe? Do you believe that there's no God? Okay, well, there's some people that believe that. Do you believe that it doesn't matter what you believe it's just as long as you believe something? Okay, a lot of people believe that, you know. I'm a good person. If I could just be good enough, you know, I'll make it to heaven. Well, Jesus said if you broke one law, you're guilty of breaking all of them. Hmm. Have you ever stolen something? Have you ever lied? Have you ever looked on another person to lust after them? Well, I don't know about you, but I broke all those already. It's interesting. I had a conversation just yesterday where one of my friends got really honest with me just on a recent experience he had. And yeah, a good friend of mine, and he just opened up in a way that it's like I'm, I'm starting to realize the person I lie to most in this world is myself. And I was like, that's deep. <laughs> that's really <laughs> deep. But wow, what a what a man to even acknowledge that and then say that out loud. And it just, it excites me in a way that, wow, he's on this path for growth. Mm -hmm. Keep that up. That's impressive. And that just instantly made me want to look inwardly because I believe there's 100% truth with what he said in me. You know, and 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 also that work on that subconscious and whatnot too. Like, wow, it's it's we're perfectly imperfect. 
it, we should we should all be excited to um do that do do what we can in the work so the gospel in a nutshell is that god created people in his own image and likeness he created this world perfect satan tried to thwart god's plan christ came as our substitute suffering our penalty paying our price to redeem us back to God's original plan. And all it takes is for us to hear that, to hear the gospel about what Jesus did for us, receive his death as our payment, and the suffering that he went through as our punishment, believe in him, receive him as our Savior, as the only thing that that will get us right with God, because we're not, we're not going to get before God and say, well, you know, Lord, I, I did 10 things right and one thing wrong. That should make the scale pretty good on my side. It's just where Christ comes in. The scripture says that by a man's own works, no one will be justified. All had sinned, all must die. But another law was that if the innocent party was willing to pay the price of the guilty party, the guilty party could go free. And so the innocent party, which was God himself, the Word of God, the second person of the Trinity that became a human being so he could die, because as God he could not die, but as a man he could die, Hmm. and he took our place, took our sins upon himself on that cross... Oh, what a, an awesome and terrible story all at the same time when he was hanging on that cross and the sun was darkened as he was made to be sin with our sin, taking our nature upon himself. He became the God forsaken as he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then he says, I commit my spirit into your hands. It is finished. And he gives up the ghost. He dies. The earth quakes. The rocks were were burst apart. And for three nights and three days, he suffered the torments of the damned. But thank God he rose from the dead three days later so that we could live a new life in him. That's what water baptism symbolizes, that we have died and were buried with him in death. Then as we rise up out of the water, we're rising up into a new life, a new realm, a new kingdom from death to life from darkness to light Mm. from the kingdom of satan to the kingdom of god a new person in god new person in christ which brings me to this topic um if you didn't hear the last podcast it was there that i talked about when i went to heaven and i sang a little song at the end that said I won't sing it for you here. <laughs> and if you ever say, hear me sing, don't worry. I'm not going to 
quit my day job, take up singing. <laughs> it was just fine. I'd have to mute myself, lip sync. I'd I'd break all my equipment and maybe some eardrums. <laughs> but I've had a glimpse of hell and I've had a glimpse of heaven. And I'm here to tell you today there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. Hmm. So I'd like to tell you about the day the Lord took me to hell. I was on my way to church. It was on a Sunday morning. I am happy. I am full of the Spirit of God. I am singing songs to God as I'm on my way to church. Hmm. And all of a sudden, I'm no longer driving down the road. I am in this place that is so dark that you can't see your hand in front of your face. I knew that there were no laws of nature here that concern light that apply there. There is absolutely no light there. I knew that if I had a match and I struck it, it would ignite and burn, but you would see no light. Mm. With that, I realized that the Lord is right behind me, just over my right shoulder, allowing me to see this and experience it on a level. With that, I realize that a woman has just showed up here. She's at about a 45-degree angle from me, probably about 20 to 30 feet away, and she is falling. She has this sensation of falling. She's got her hands and her feet stretched out in all directions as far as she can go, looking for anything that would give her some idea of where she's at. Maybe if she was to touch something, she would wake up. Maybe uh, uh, she would feel the, the uh, side of a cliff or something as she's falling, and it, it would tell her how fast she's falling. Maybe she could find uh, a limb protruding out of the cliff and grab a hold of it and stop her from falling. And she is so afraid. She doesn't know where she's at. She doesn't know how she got here. She doesn't know if this is a dream or not. Hmm. And, and suddenly she does touch something. And the instant she touches it, she grabs it, and it grabs her. And it begins to eat the flesh off of her body, and it's clawing her. And everywhere that it's clawing her, she's, she's agonizing in pain. Though I could hear no screams, she was screaming. And wherever the flesh was torn away, there was always more flesh to tear away. And finally, she gets away from this thing. And she's falling again, and still the arms and the legs just stretched out, looking for something, anything that would give her some idea, some kind of comfort. Hmm. Some, if, if she could just know how fast she was falling, it would be some kind of comfort. But nothing. And again, she, she touches something, and she grabs it, and it grabs her. And it uh, begins to, again, clawing her and biting and and. And Jesus talked about a place where there was outer darkness, where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. And this is where this was. Hmm. And finally she gets away from this thing, and, and now she's falling again, and the fear has multiplied. It's intensified. It's gone from fear to terror. And, 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 and again, she's always looking and flailing about, looking for something that would, would tell her some, some kind of information that would be any kind of comfort 
and never finding any. And finally she touches something and she grabs it and it grabs her and she begins tearing the flesh off of it with her fingers and her toes and her teeth. She's tearing the flesh off of it. It's tearing the flesh off of her and she gets away from this thing again. And again, the falling and now the, the, the terror has just gone beyond that into insanity. And mm. anytime she bumps into uh, another one of these things, which was either demon spirits or other people that had been there before her or a new person gets the same treatment. Hmm. Never any camaraderie, never any comfort. Hmm. And with that, I come out of this and I'm driving back down the road and I am so aware that I have family that are going to this place if they don't come to a saving knowledge of who God is in Christ. I did not tell anybody this story for many decades. I certainly didn't tell my family. I told them the good things about Jesus. I never told them that I went to heaven. Never told my family that. But I shared the gospel with them. When they began to come to me, I did not go to them. So from 1973, this was in 1987, 88, when I had this vision I call it more of a trance because it was as real as this is right here to me. It wasn't a dream. A man doesn't dream when he's going down the road no. and, uh, yeah. and, and live to tell much about it. Right. <laughs> and so, um, but That's what I, something in and of itself where it's a vision, like you didn't crash. But you had to be there like long. That's where like these different realms, things like, like the time, everything's different. Yep. Like it's it, it there. It goes beyond our grasp of understanding. Well, in eternity, there is no time. So he can take you from here to there and you can experience everything in a second and then be right back where you were. Now, I probably had traveled maybe 100 yards Oh, really? You think During so? this time, yep. I knew I was coming up on a traffic light there in Smithtown, Long Island. But that probably did not match the time you spent. No, no. And it's interesting. People could sit here and question, I don't know this, man. Did this really happen? Like, I didn't experience. And, and it's healthy. It's healthy to question. But what you grasp, what you're capturing, it's like... We're, we're, we're focused. We, we are entirely too focused on the gains and, and the everything this life has to offer. Like we're, whether that is true or not, whether you believe that true or not, in a way it's like irrelevant because the reality, like you will know it's not just about like you were touching on. Oh, doing enough good and being good enough to, because we are not good enough. It's through Christ that we are. And it's the only way. And see, it's very, it's very interesting, but there's just, this is a glimpse. Like we have the greatest champion right there seeking us. We just need to open that door. We need to 
give everything over and the burdens and and it's the only source we can entirely trust it's 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 so crazy what a what a wild experience this life is but jesus said that he had come to seek and to save that which was lost Mm -hmm. people are lost without jesus no one goes to hell because of what they do or don't do you go to heaven or you go to hell because of what you are. Hmm. You are either a child of the devil or a child of God. Hmm. Now, I, I don't like I don't like using that term, a child of the devil. Right. But Jesus used it. Jesus used it. Said, you are of the devil, your father the devil, and his works you will do. Hmm. I don't like that. They didn't like it. They wanted to kill him for saying that. Hmm. It's interesting. It was expressed many years ago to me at one point, and I haven't even dove into that for a long time, but it's like you could live out your life and you could be, you could be, uh, oh, how is it worded? You could be, let's just say, a decent Christian. And at the end of your existence, let's just say you meet a man in a chair and is like, hey, you made it through this life. I'm just here to tell you there's nothing. There's nothing. Like, um, that's just it. I'll give you an opportunity. Do you want to go back and relive or just accept the nothingness? Most people at that point, if there's nothing, like what, what's the point of going back? You just you just accept it. It's just like, all right, well here we go. You know, maybe some people will go back because out of fear, but but it it doesn't matter. Like you're just there's nothing. It just it's a, it's a empty experience. So most people would just be like, all right, I'm ready to just I'll be just missed, right? I'll be gone. But you, like you you do that, and and it could be a Christian or a sinner. You know, same thing, but then let's just replay it. Even a decent Christian or someone in a believer and, and, and walking in Christ and you meet that man in the chair and you, and you get to see all the glories and just, or simply put heaven and hell and you're given that choice and you're like, in that moment, even as a de- decent Christian, you more than likely, it's my question. My question, I guess would be, well, will, will I remember this encounter? Because if I can remember this counter, let's go back. Because mm-hmm. I can walk closer in Jesus' footsteps, even as a decent Christian. Because it's no longer about me in any way, shape, or form. I could help others. I could sound the alarm, right? And you'd go through all this torment and this crazy experience just to sound the alarm. And it's 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 a it's a proud thing to just kind of ponder. Because whether it's so even with that nothingness, like, so the question is like, well, okay, so now that there's nothing, would you go back and rape, murder, and steal to gain, to have the pool you didn't have, the car you wanted? What does it matter, you know? So, so I guess in that kind of like thought experiment for me over the years, it's been kind of just healthy where it's like, it's irrelevant. There's only one clear path to take in this life. And it, and it's good 
and it's seeking the understanding. And it's there's nothing more worthwhile in this existence. Nothing more worthwhile. Obviously, the point you you choose and you have childrens and children, things of that nature, like the best relation, like like you know, in in trying to instill and educate and having whatever positive impact you can there. But the only way you can really effectively do that is be walking in the fruit of the spirit yourself. So once again, it does kind of boil back to there's nothing more worthwhile. Um, ah, there's another point there, but it's it's a good... Well, the scriptures tell us yeah. <clears throat> there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Now, if you don't believe the scriptures... And you don't believe the testimony of of righteous men from Genesis to today. Then what are you going to believe? I guess that kind of was the end conclusion with that thought experiment for me was with that there's a clear path to take and whether it is true or not is irrelevant. It's the like what, because it's in the end, if it's eternity or nothing, it's far more important than this experience nonetheless. So whether it's true or not is irrelevant. However, as you experience that there's a reason, once again, there's a reason for you to walk your walk. There's a reason why I'm building faith each and every day and this feels, I know it's true. And there's so many that also feel that way. So it's like with the time, with the openness, the meekness, going down that road, like who's to say that you yourself won't also build the faith and be enlightened and blessed and miracles are going to take place right here in the flesh, in this life. All right, sorry, go ahead. You know, if whatever you believe, I think a person should give themselves over to it fully and completely. I mean, even if you're wrong. I mean, if this is what I'm going to believe, I'm going to, I'm going to believe this, then I'm going to sell myself out to it lock, stock, and barrel. I'm not going to ride the fence. You want to believe there's no God? Sell yourself out to it. I'd rather believe there's a God and that He died and paid my price on that cross. I've sold myself out to Him. He is mine and I am His. And he's letting me know that in more ways than one, that I'm his and he's mine. Through this word, yes. Through supernatural experiences like going to heaven and hell. Like him walking into my room, calling me by name, dressed in royal robes. Another time he walked into my room three nights in a row in a white robe. Sat there and spoke to me all night long about his plan and my part in it. 
I didn't remember a single thing that he said about his plan and my part in it. Because the whole time he was talking to me, I couldn't wait till I got an opportunity to talk to tell him about all my problems, my sin, how I had failed, how I had missed it. And then he would get a chance to talk and he'd talk about his plan and my part in it. When I'd get a talk, chance to talk, I'd talk about how I'd missed it. I was only concerned with the things I'd done wrong and I needed him to help me before any of that was ever going to happen in my mind. I remember he never acknowledged anything I said. I never acknowledged anything he said. <laughs> the last night, it's early in the morning now, he's about to walk through the wall and disappear the way he has the last two nights. And somehow I knew this was it. He wouldn't be coming back. And I'm right behind him telling him about all my problems and how I'd missed it and how I needed him to help me with my sin. And he turned and he looked at me. And the only time he ever acknowledged any of that, he said, my grace is more than enough for you. Only he didn't say it like that. See, I say it with some accusation or in, in my tone, but he said it only with love and acceptance a way that filled you up yes it's like in his words his words contain and carry the power to do what he says hmm. and then he turned and he walked out that wall it was a smack in the face <laughs> in a good way and and i'll tell you what it wasn't until i began getting interested in what his plan was that I found my part in it. And these things that were so troublesome to me began to fall away. Hmm. I would say this, seek God, seek God. Oh, I made another song out of that one. Seek God till there's no more am I. Am I born again? Am I a Christian? Am I made alive unto God? Am I a new creature in Christ? Am I... Seek God till there's no more am I but a resounding I am. I am born again. I am made alive. Seek God till there's no more am I. Seek God till there's a resounding I am. I am. Or even here I am. Yes. Yes. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. Yeah. Send me. Yeah. Here I am. So... Where do we go from here? I think we're hour and 18 in. I just sure hope. Like, I. It's. I fancy myself a doer, so it's important I, I find whatever to, to dive into what we can do to ensure better tomorrow, to unite, to improve each other's lives but it's it's so much of that we can only do so much mortally this i just cherish our chats and our and our time together and i sure hope the listeners grasp i don't know i'll, I'll have to play this back try to clear my say, slate hit the delete button and 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 see 
Because in, in your presence and in the presence of the Bible, even every time, it's like there's an extra light that just happens when this book is open in, in front of it, you know? And, man, I just sure hope people, like, like it, it carries through this platform in a way, and hopefully folks can start testing things out for themselves. And I mean, like, like I said, it's, it's all around us. Um, do you have church references? I mean, for people like that haven't places to start. Cause it's interesting. I'm like, I think above all, seeking the understanding and connection for yourself, above all, you know, organized religion has, has kind of a way where it can be very beneficial, very positive, because there's a magic to like, like-minded people. And it's not even just in church buildings. I've experienced it in like, like, like self-help programs, conventional things, AA groups, but even in the business side of things, when people are even investing their money, you know, and they got very charismatic speakers and, you know, activities and things to do. But when people are like entrepreneurs and they're trying to seek, like, like there's even a magic to like-minded folk gathering um, and, and there's just power in numbers. Like I believe power with numbers and prayer. So there is, it is awesome I guess I, I guess I would just say don't be scared to check things out. You can go to non-dominationals. You can go to all different things, and and you can feel the fruit of the spirit, and and, and to an extent, in all of them. You know, I would say as far as as far as pointing somebody toward a specific church or denomination, I would say this: if you're sincere and you're seeking God, He will put something on your heart, mm. and uh, you know, turn on the TV. There, there's, there's good preachers on TV. And if you'll listen to other people, they will tell you this preacher's no good, that preacher's no good. Act out on what he lays in front of you. When you speak to someone like you in their life, like, or you're having that encounter, just, and, and God comes up, and this person, ask them where they're attending. That yeah. very well could be someone God put in your life to have a connection. You know, there's there's a minister on on TV, uh, Joel Osteen. I think probably, a, you know, a lot of people have probably heard of him. There's a lot of people who don't like Joel Osteen, but Joel reaches people that that other people wouldn't wouldn't even go listen to. And uh, Joel has a good message. But he doesn't line up with everybody. I, I think he's a good preacher. I think he's a good minister. I think he'll do you good. But he may not be what you need forever, you know, because you'll you'll be growing mm, in the I things like of God. Yeah. But if you'll seek God, He will put uh, a church on your mind. You need to be among believers. The Scripture says, "Don't forsake the gathering together of yourselves, as the habit of some is." Because there's, uh, like you were saying, there's there's unity and there's safety and numbers and um, and 
and uh, the scriptures do say that that uh, we are the body of Christ, and so each one of us is like a joint supplying what the other needs. And uh, uh, you may think that you're a finger, uh, but you might be a a mouthpiece. You don't know. Hmm. You might be an ear that hears like nobody else can hear. Hmm. And then, but whatever it is, a hand, a foot, uh, but in in the body of Christ, the thing is, is we all have something to give to each other, and and where you're at today, hopefully you won't stay there. You know you'll be you'll be growing in the things of God. But so you know start start with somebody. Uh, if you're not a, not if you don't have a church in mind to go to, find something on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, if your neighbor is a churchgoer, ask them. I just really, really have a problem talking bad about anybody's religion because you don't have to talk bad about anybody's religion to talk about Jesus. Right. But whenever I'm steering somebody towards a church, there's only two churches that I would kind of steer you away from, and I hate to even say that, but find something other than Jehovah's Witness or Mormons. Baptists are good people. Methodists are good people. Mm. Presbyterians are good. See, we all have these five fundamental truths in in Christendom <clears throat> that these two don't hold that, that I just mentioned. And that is the virgin birth, that God was born of a virgin. He became a human being. His mission was the reconciliation of man to God through his death on the cross that he died and was buried, rose from the dead three days later, and ascended to heaven. Now, all those churches that I mentioned, the Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, uh, full gospel, uh, Baptists, they all have that as their foundation. Mm-hmm. Now, none of us have built on that foundation or doctrine thinking that it's wrong we all think we got it right but there's nobody can answer for you Mm. when you stand before god it's not going to be i believe this because brother so-and-so said right not for me it won't be that way it's going to be i believe this and acted on it because i believe that's what you were saying to me out of the word Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I like you. And and what's interesting, I'm guilty of it to an extent myself, but I try my best not to Bible bash. Yeah. You know, um, slander any, because the way I view it, mankind's naturally faulty and defective. So anything we organize in this life is going to carry over those same attributes and defects. So, so for any one religion or what have you to even like claim the one true, it's, that's questionable, you know, like, no, I'm grateful that there's a bunch because people migrate to what works for them. Right. And I've seen like true saints, believers that have grown that direct connection through all different organized and and that's beautiful and so in my eyes 
even, you know, Catholic with priests that have been caught in very nefarious evil deeds or preachers or, you know, whatever titles, um, you know, I just see the defect of man, right? But I see that, that millions ha- throughout the years have, bless you, have, have been directed to live out amazing lives and true faith and became saints. And that's to be celebrated, not slandered, right? And it is interesting. I've experienced a good amount of... I was actually raised in the LDS church, okay. which is Mormon. Well, well, known as Mormon. However, I believe they've stepped away from that. And, and it's interesting. I found it very interesting. Um, I've experienced in that individuals, I feel, that have gotten way too tyrannical, way too involved in, in, in kind of have taken things yeah it's just too much upon themselves right just like i've experienced in other religions too but i've also met the purest of saints in that church and there's a lot of the structure i question there's a lot of the structure i find almost the most pure you know where where it's not even it's like everyone's charitable like in the sense of the whole structure no one's getting paid there's no band. There's no fog machines. You know, it's it, there's no charismatic, biblically scholared preacher even per se. So attending some of those LDS services, especially their testimonial meetings, it's 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 their congregations, the real people that are involved. It, you know, with a little direction of the you know Bishop Rick or what have you on on a topic, like just sharing their experience. It's beautiful. I find it very beautiful, but there's a lot of information um, that isn't, I feel about like that church. There's, there's, there's confusion. Cause I know there's been spinoffs where other groups use the book claim Mormon and they still practice polygamy and that's not has anything to do with the main body of the church at all like the 17 million members um like they don't allow any of that and and that's a whole separate entity in and of itself but somehow still getting tied into due to the label so it's interesting there's a re there i have my own reasons it for not being fully you know go, going on the path i've been right and so it's it, it's really tricky it's really tricky to say i find beauty in like all the things but everyone's path is unique i like how jeremy um said it unique tailored for you and to seek that I just wish there was a way of uniting even all these different churches to where it's not slandering and that's where I love Pastor Tom 
because he has such a gift, like speaking out with the woke again, not even against. That's the thing. It's a uniting mm-hmm. like message he has to those woke churches and caution and certain things for like the members where they're just being it's all being led away from right here the biblical doctrine and truths and getting back to but he speaks out in a loving way mm-hmm. trying to like and, and it's kind of a uniting it, it, you know it's it's it, it's beautifully done and i think that would be cool to see all across the board so i don't know it's all life experience and that's where i'm like you know i would just caution anyone going into organized religion at all any anything that you don't false idol like i uh, worship where your faith is based in the church, your faith is based in that pasture, that you focus on the fruit of the Spirit and go to where the fruit of the Spirit dwells. And I love how you put it, that it could be a season. It could be a means to an end. It could be a stepping, you know, out there and just kind of going around. And and even then, like, to be plugged in to, like, one church, why, like, why even stay entirely? There's, there's, you could get involved in all sorts of, you know, and be a part of that unity across the board. Cause after all, we're all God's children. So why would we let labels and certain things get in the way of like neighborly connection just because they have that label? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Did that give you any thoughts? Well, I would say, <clears throat> Whatever church you go to, seek God, pursue Jesus Christ, don't pursue a denomination, Yeah. but grow in your faith, grow in the things of God, and when you go to the church, then you're adding to what's there. Yeah. Um, it's okay when you're first coming to Christ, or you're an immature Christian, no matter if you've been a Christian for 30 years, go to go to church to hear the word preached, you walk out of there energized. If you don't walk out of there energized, go somewhere else. Because what's happening is the things that that preacher has taken in and digested, mm-hmm. he's able to give back to you without you having to take it in and think about it and meditate on it and digest it. Mm-hmm. He's already done all that, and he's given it to you. It's like milk to a little infant. Mm. The mother has taken in the food and the water, and she's nursing the infant. The but the baby, all he has to do is drink it, and it's already uh, made just for him to digest so easily. Mm. Until he gets to growing up, and then he can learn to eat food, and and so the word of God is is discussed as bread, and water, mm. and milk. There's people who talk about the word of God being the, you know about the meat of the word. I find nowhere in the scriptures where the word is described as meat. Mm. Now, every time I say that, my people's minds who know the scriptures goes to a book place in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, where it says that strong meat is for them who have uh, uh, exercised their senses, learned the difference between good and evil, and choose to do good. Strong meat is for them. Mm. Not talking about the word. Strong meat. 
our meat is the same meat that Jesus had. And he said, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. Mm. And that's our meat. As we grow and mature in the things of God and we've taken in the bread, the word of God and the water of the word. And, and we've eaten that bread and that water and, and, uh, and, and, and turned it into milk so that we can give it to others. Mm-hmm. Well, we're learning to do the meat, learning to mm. do the will of him who sent us. That's the meat is to do. But so go to the preacher, go to the yeah. church, listen, take it in, but, but spend time in the word at home. Spend time in prayer, the Word of God in prayer. Prayer is watering the Word. Mm-hmm. Word is the seed. Prayer is the water. And when I say prayer, I don't mean spend a whole lot of time with a barrage of petitions and intercessions and requests. Spend time in God's presence. When you open up this book, right, you're in His presence. And you don't have to be saying a single thing. You could be reading what He's saying, listening to what He's saying to you. Mm-hmm. And, and just contemplate, meditate, think about it. If nothing else, think right. about it like this, that there's no one that has ever lived or is alive today or will ever live that God loves more than you. He loves you just as much as he loved Jesus. John 17, verse 23, Jesus is in the garden. He's about to go to the cross. Hmm. These are some of his last words before he's betrayed by Judas and carried away. Brutally treated. Anyway, he says this, Father, that they may know. You're one of the they. Put your name right there. Father, that James may know that you love him just as much as you love me. Mm. See what that means for you, James? There's no one who has ever lived or is alive today or will ever live that the Father loves more than you. Nobody that he loves more than you. Mm. No one he wants to answer prayer for more than you. No one he wants to share his life with more than you. No one he wants them to share their life with him more than you. Hmm. No one he wants to bless. No one he wants to fellowship with and walk and talk with than you. You're the one. It's all about you. You see, in, in, our, in our circles in Christianity, our perspective is, Lord, it's all about you. And that is so right and so good. That's the way it should be. From our perspective, Lord, it's all about you. But you see, from his perspective, it has always been all about you. Right. Yeah, I believe that to be true. Yes. 100%. So he it's so much all about you that if you will begin to want to pursue him and you're looking for a church to go to, he will direct you. Yeah. I do find it important that, because uh, there's so much p- politics to this Bible, right? And the influence of the freedom to practice religion and just all those things, which evil has been effectively even infiltrating church bodies and things to accept certain things. Like, so it, I would say something to pay attention to like seeking the pastors that aren't afraid to step in Mm -hmm. those realms from politics and every in fact i find that is especially as christians like a very important role for the, the the church bodies to have like never again for example never again 
should we on any church level allow a church and our gatherings to be deemed unessential mm. never that's a hill we all should die on no government entity no tyrannical rule should infringe upon our right to assemble that's true and worship our god ever ever yep and pastors that take those stances are to be lifted up supported in their message in any church body because they're they're going to have ridicule from the evil side of things and the infiltration of evil trying to trying to put a stop to those churches censor shadow ban you name it you know let me just say this if um if you think that you're going to find a church that is so perfect mm. that you'll never find a pro person there with a problem you're smoking something <laughs> no. stop your stop your search yeah <laughs> uh, because yes uh, you got to see through Yes, yeah, because there's yeah. there's no no church perfect. We're 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 all a gathering of people in pursuit of God, but we're all imperfect in some way. And uh, one of our pastors there at our church has, has got this saying, you know, come come run with us. Uh, we'll treat you in so many ways. You're you're bound to like one of them. Mm. And 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 that's that's true, um, but. Um, don't don't go don't go to a church thinking that this is going to be the perfect church. I think that, this is a great ending message. Keep right, keep yeah. it up. No, keep it up. But find the church that that God is pointing you to, and don't be afraid to allow Him to move you somewhere else because you are the planting right. of the Lord. Yeah, and He knows how to put you in one place where you can flourish, and then He'll put maybe transplant you into another place where you'll just grow and bear fruit like never before. Mm. And he may use you to seed others. So, uh, well, not may, he will. Mm. You grow in the things of God, he'll use you to seed others. See, I'm a seed sower. I sow seed. The seed I sow is the word of God. That's another song. Wow. <laughs> wow, Arthur. Any other burning desire? I think that's no. beautifully said. And I loved that from the moment, like that first night met you with, with two of my close friends and we, we saw it some, okay, like, like, because we wanted more of that moment and you literally just gave your blessing. Like you guys know, and he's seeking, he set out that path for you. And there's just so many, that was just very refreshing because there's so many people that attended in and you have your reasons to attend where you're attending but so many i don't know what it is maybe due to their own insecurity or or maybe from the excitement from what you're experiencing but you know that even it's like you see past your human nature wanting everyone to belong and circle around like you can see past your human nature and not doubt what god is leading them in and 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 giving these bigger perspectives and this and just pay attention to where he's guiding you like that's 
That's so awesome. That was very refreshing to hear. We're going to find people in, in our circles, in our churches, that are doing things that we think are wrong. Hmm. But they're there trying to do better. We shouldn't be putting anybody down, no matter what their sexual tendencies are, because they're seeking God too. And you can't say that, well, his sin is worse than mine. Well, you know, I've got adulterial, you know, adultery type tendencies. You know, I see a woman, you know, she's pretty, like to push her down. <laughs> Man, <laughs> the struggles. See, see I, I don't do that. Right. I can't do that. I can't hurt another person. You know, I can't yeah. hurt my wife. I can't hurt God by right. doing that kind of stuff. So, but, you know, so I've got those kind of tendencies. Uh, a homosexual or a lesbian might have other kind of tendencies, but we're working on it. We're growing in the things of God. It's really important to acknowledge. And how do we acknowledge sin or, you know, without any standards or moral or this book in your life? How do you even discern, oh, it's not good to go push that girl down or, you know, like, like it takes... There's things we got to say no to. Yes. Things we got to say and yes not to. Not act on. Yeah. 100%. Well, that's awesome. This, I just want to take a moment and thank God for the healing that's occurred yet again within me. I'm feeling more present. It's crazy that over the last two days, it went from almost the most separated I've ever been. My goodness, I was at a point. I wasn't comfortable driving mm. and over the holidays I would do the shortest little trips and I'd rely on family to kind of cart me around and it just it kind of was getting worse and worse and then all of a sudden boom just it switched and it's only two days of a switch so it's kind of new I want to knock on wood or something no I don't believe in that I, I, I just want to say this, uh, ladies. Don't think I'm going to. I want to push anybody down. I don't, no, I don't want to push anybody. No, down. you are just. You're very open and raw. Like what? Yeah, I. We, we're human. Well, I know. I know. Yeah. Let, let's pray. Okay. Yeah. Leave. Father, it. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. I pray that you would bless the people with the things that we said here. And, and men wipe some of the things right out of their mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, this was awesome. Bless you all. Can't wait for next time. Take care.